We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to another episode of the Survival Show Podcast. I'll be your host today, Craig Cottle. And we're taking a little step out in a different direction. Not necessarily a manly musings, but I am here as a solo host today. And I'm going to be interviewing my good friend, Mike Pointer. I'll introduce Mike and what he's all about here shortly. But thanks for joining us here on the Survival Show Podcast. Please remember to check in with our sponsors. As always, look in the description below. And we've got some... I don't know if I can say it yet, but we've got some really cool sponsors coming up probably as soon as COVID-19 turmoil is over. So I'm really excited about that. So check out the description below and let's get into this interview with my good friend, Mr. Mike Pointer. So Mr. Mike Pointer brings more than 30 years of public safety experience to the Kentucky Board of Emergency Medical Services. He has managed operations and led personnel in emergency environments of all types, representing EMS, the fire service, and law enforcement, including six years of service as a tactical paramedic with an FBI SWAT team. Pointer has also worked, Mike, I should say, has worked internationally as an EMS and tactical operations consultant, training health providers for the Coast Guard and Ministry of Health in Finland. Pretty cool. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, thanks, Craig. I appreciate it. And, and thank you for what you're doing. I mean, this is so important right now to help get the word out on how to keep people safe. So thanks for being a part of the team. Yeah, absolutely. So for those listening in, uh, Mike has always been a good friend of Nature Reliance School. And and we talked about possibly getting him on a podcast with Survival Show Podcast. And I was all about it. The good thing about having cool friends is, is uh, Mike's been working in the Mercy Operations Center here in Kentucky. And, uh, he's always good to keep what is on a need to know basis to himself, but also throw some bones at a friend named Craig Cottle. And so I've been able to share some things that are good for the public and, and we're very thankful to have him on. Mike's, Mike's been giving me a call almost every day, which is pretty cool. So glad to share that, Mike. I'm very happy to do that. Well, I'm um, glad to do it. So you've been in the Mercy Operations Center almost every day since this has started, right? Pretty much. It, uh, it's it been a busy time for us. I think I've been over assigned to the, we call it the SEOC, the State Emergency Operations Center, I think 22 or 23 days out of the last 25 or 26 days. Man, that's rough. And how many people are in there on average? You know, we're trying to uh, practice our social distancing like everybody else. Uh, this building, it's in our state capital in Frankfurt, uh, we have department heads from all the ESFs, the emergency support functions from across the state. You know, like I'm emergency services. We've got transportation. We've got energy, things like that. So we'll have anywhere between, you know, 25 to 50 uh, at any given time over there during the day. Right. Awesome. Well, I got a bunch of questions for you. Want to start digging into these? Let's do it. All right. So the big question that keeps coming up a lot for, um, and I, I actually think this might be a lot of hope on my part, 
but I wanted to get some good information from you is uh, whether there's any validity at all to the fact that this warmer weather that's coming on us is going to be something that could help slow COVID-19 down. Is that possible or no, or how how should we be considering that? You know, Craig, that's a good question. And I've talked with the state epidemiologist about that on a regular basis. And to be perfectly honest, we don't know. This is a new virus that's just been discovered so they're still trying to do a lot of research with that. So, you know, to answer the question, I think only time will tell. Most viruses are impacted with warmer ambient temperature, but with this one, we really don't know. Man, that's the thing that's been so frustrating about this as much as anything is that there's more questions than there are answers, isn't there? Right, right. You know, anytime you deal with a new disease, uh, you can't really say that it's going to act or react like this. And that's what the challenges we've been faced with. And if you've noticed, uh, the CDC, they, they've changed some of our guidance in the last few weeks, and you'll probably see more of that in the future on how we approach this and how we treat it and, and how we go forward with that. Yeah, I think just looking, you know, I'm not looking at official information like you are every day, and I'm getting the news uh, like everybody else. And then I also have social media where I, I actually have been trying to avoid social media as far as flipping through and seeing everybody's comments and just trying to herd what little group of people that I have there on nature Reliance school, the few thousand that we have contact with to, and when I say little in comparison to, you know, the population of the United States is uh, try to herd them so that we can all stay calm, collected and, and have our minds where they need to be. I think one of the things that keeps coming up, though, uh, and I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this, is that it seems like among my little group of people that there's a growing concern that this might not be as widespread as, you know, initially suggested. And and how do we know that it is or it isn't or do we or what's your thoughts on that? You know, Craig, I wish it wasn't as widespread, but I, I'm afraid I'd have to sort of disagree with that because if you think about it, this virus has an incubation period of two to 14 days. So for example, if I was exposed uh, 10 days, I couldn't be carrying the virus and not show any symptoms and still spread that virus with people I come in contact with. And if I come into contact with someone, they can do the same for two to 14 days. So you've got a, a window of 28 days that might not have any signs or symptoms, but still carrying the virus around. I really think in Kentucky, I believe uh, we have currently 100 out of the 120 counties with positive cases. But like statistics show, we're still on that upward bound. We're on that upward curve. But with our governor really uh, tightening up the rules and uh, really staying safe at home, I think we're going to see a change in that, hopefully in the next week or two. But I think it's out there even more than we know currently. The problem is we haven't had the testing capability that we really need. And so does that involve personnel or we just don't have testing kits? Is that, yeah. where, uh, where are we on that? You know, the thing about it is, you know, I, the reason they call it COVID-19, it was, you know, first discovered in, I believe, December of, of 19. 
And that being so new, they don't have the testing capability and volume that they do for other viruses and different diseases. They're having to basically create that and then produce that in mass volume. So we've been limited on the amount of testing that we could uh, basically push forward with. Right. Well, I would assume as one that's in the business of helping people make proper decisions here in Kentucky, and, you know, you have counterparts in every state and, and all over the world, literally, there's probably stuff that you're seeing from the general public that you go, man, I just wish they would do this. <laughs> so if there's one thing that you're looking out upon the general public and go, man, I wish everybody could do a better job of this, what would it be? Oh, that's that's a good question. Yeah, I think we need the problem we've been challenged with, and I'm not kind of throw anybody or any organization under the bus, but the social media has been a big challenge for us with the inaccuracy of some data, but, you know, proper and correct education, you know, I think we're finally getting to that point where people are understanding and and realizing the severity of this virus and how it's transmitted, you know, through respiratory droplets, things like that, and how to protect ourselves and other people, you know, that, that, that's the most important thing. And the, social distancing. I think that's critical. That's hard to do in today's world. It really is. And I understand that. But if people know the correct information on how to prevent it, I think they would take it more seriously on how to get involved and protect themselves and others. You know, this is kind of going in a little different direction, but I listen to what you just said. I think if people could see somebody that was sick and or dying from this, which we cannot do because of, I guess, HIPAA violations, right? Right. Right. Then, then, uh, it would kind of bring it home a little bit more. Uh, I know personally. Yeah. Yeah, Go ahead. It's, this is something that, you know, we really don't know what type of patient. I mean, it, it affects everybody, but it seems like statistically we're seeing, uh, you know, suppress patients with underlying illnesses and the elderly really being affected by this because when this virus uh, attacks them, the underlying illnesses really can't keep up. And that's where we're seeing a lot of fatalities. Right. That's, uh, yeah. And me and you've talked about this before, but having a family member, personally me, that is one of those immunocompromised people, this kind of stuff. You know, we were wearing masks. Heck, we were wearing masks before anybody said to wear masks. And if we start getting this, any sort of sickness at our house, we all wear masks. And we've been doing that ever since back 13, 14 years ago. So oh, I, it's not been a big change for us as far as, hey, wear a mask to do this or don't wear a mask. I mean, we always wear masks. And just if nothing else, to as a reminder, Hey, somebody's sick. We need to be on, you know, we need to be on point when it comes to not spreading this stuff in the house or elsewhere for that matter. Right. I, I guess because it, you understand that you've got someone in your household that could be affected. So, you know, you're taking this seriously. You understand the consequences. If, if you don't, what could happen? Yeah, for certain. For, for us, at least. We took it all. 
we brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. And I guess that brings me to my next question because it it seems, and this is a conversation, the reason I wanted to ask you this question because we had this conversation last week or maybe the week before, I can't remember, that even from somebody like the CDC or the WHO or whatever, that guidelines are changing rapidly. And I think it came up because me and you were, to, I asked you about mask and there was no one day and then yes, the next. And that was a recommendation from CDC. And I, maybe you've already answered this question saying that it's a novel virus, but is there any other reason outside of that? Or can we expect that to move forward? Or when do you think we'll have some sort of handle on this thing? Are you talking about a vaccine or some type of treatment? That, that's Anything, the, the virus itself or what we should or shouldn't be doing. and. Uh, I, I guess what I'm saying is I think some of the the uncomfortable uh, being uncomfortable with some of the recommendations when they right. change like that. Right. I, th- I think people need to understand there's a reason. It's not just haphazardly doing that. Right. Um, and, and from what I've been told, like, like I said, I'm not the expert when it comes to the virus, uh, but I'm around a lot of smart people over at the uh, emergency operations center. And we have meetings every morning. Uh and we have a lot of sidebar meetings, but from what I can understand, there potentially might not be a vaccine for 12 to 18 months. They've got to do R&D, you know, research and development on this. And, you know, there's different strains, uh, different, and it's way over my head. But uh, as for the best practices and guidances, I think we will see some things change. I do. It's just like the mask, like you said, two weeks ago, CDC was saying, no, you don't need to wear a mask. And now they're saying, yeah, if you're out in public, it's probably a good idea to wear a mask, not to protect you, but to protect others. Because if you're infected and are not showing signs, you know, it'll it'll keep the drop, droplets within the mask. So, you know, it's it sort of where I told somebody the other day, you know, we're drawing the game book here as we're carrying the football down the field. So we're having <laughs> to we're having to sort of make, you know, game plays as, you know, we're playing the game. Right. Well, it seems like there's been one mostly constant since recommendations started to get pushed out, and that was social distancing. And you've mentioned it several times here. Why why exactly is that important for those that, that are listening in? Yeah, well, like I said, we it's pretty much a proven fact that it's transmitted through respiratory droplets. So when if you know if you cough or sneeze or uh, pick your nose, which I hope you don't do, uh, that they can really be spread through the air. And they've determined that six feet is a safe distance. So you know if you're out in public, you know keep the distance. If you've been out to retail store like grocery stores and home improvement, most of them have a six foot piece of tape down on the floor to keep everybody reminded that, you know, this is what is needed to be done to help protect this. So that's very important. That's probably one of the most important things for the general public is to remember, stay away six feet from each other, the social distancing. And I guess number two on that list, 
maybe tell me what your thoughts are as hand washing. Why is that so important? Yes, um, that's that's one of the best ways to protect yourself and, and your family. Um, you know, at least 20 seconds. Uh, of course, this virus, it, it, it's I've sort of joked around with some of my coworkers and colleagues. You know, it, it's a virus with attitude. Uh, it's a very mean and angry virus that doesn't want to go away. It's like Velcro. And the soap, you know, it takes 20 seconds to really knock it off. Everything you touch, just think about it. You know, go four or five minutes throughout the day and think about the things you touch and how many times you touch your face. You know, uh, that's, I did that a couple weeks ago and I was just thoroughly amazed. It's like, I didn't know I touched my face that much, but soap and water uh, is the best way to, to kill that virus. And if you don't have soap and water, you know, an alcohol based sanitizer with, with at least 60% alcohol uh, can be somewhat equivalent. One thing that I'd heard and, and let me know if this is good info or bad is that hot water is not the best. It's just, like room temperature water, just regular tap water and soap, not necessarily hot water. Is that true or not true? You know, I've heard pros and cons about that. I haven't seen anything scientific on that. But if if I'm using common sense, you know, warm opens pores up. It opens, you know, uh, the pores of your skin up. And I, but I haven't seen anything, uh, any scientific paper to prove that say you should use you know, lukewarm, warm, cold water. But uh, I've just been using just the tap, you know, room temperature. Right. Sure. All right. Go, let's get back to these masks because I know a lot of people are really interested in them. Is what would you say to those that are listening in about wearing masks? Anything that you can add to that uh, these people may have not heard or anything you just want to say again because it's that important? Yeah. And, and that's important. You know, as time goes on, it, it can never hurt to wear a mask. And I'll be honest with you, the first time I went out here locally to a retail area, I wore a mask. It felt pretty, it felt pretty odd. You know, people, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm self-conscious. It's like people think I'm crazy. No, I'm, I'm not worried about that now because I looked around and 95% of the other people were wearing masks too. And that's to protect, you know, others, you know, like I said, not myself. If, if I'm carrying the virus, it'll keep the droplets within my mask. One thing I would ask is, you know, for the public, uh, try to, you know, you can use a bandana, you can use a handkerchief. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, a filtered uh, produced mask, just anything to keep those droplets uh, within yourself so you don't spread that to somebody else. But let's try to keep, you know, the, the use of N95s for the healthcare professionals because, you know, we are in a big challenge right now uh, for production and we're having some shortages. So it's really important to, if we can, to, you know, keep those N95s for the healthcare, healthcare professionals. Right. Absolutely. Because we've had issues with uh, just simple availability on those for the healthcare workers. I mean, it's it's an interesting thing that when we're talking about this, if we look at it from a warfare perspective, those are the people that are on the front lines, really. Right, right. It is. And, you know, we, uh, we've we received, uh, you've probably heard on the news, the strategic national stockpile. You know, we received 
multiple deliveries from from that uh, stockpile, but there's only so much to go around. If you think about it, you know, if if you're treating a patient, if you're a healthcare provider and you're treating a patient, in the past, uh, every time you came in contact with that patient, you would have to uh, dispose of that PPE. So, you know, if you're in a critical care environment like an ICU, you know, they, they can be, you know, once every five minutes. It could be once every minute. I mean, it's, it's really hard to say, but they're, they're going through a lot of PPE. And the CDC, I know, is looking at different practices and you might see some changes in the future. I don't know. But uh, we've we've got to be thinking not outside the box, but we've got to change the shape of the box on how we approach this and what's best, you know, for ourselves and other other patients. Right. So last question for you, then. And I'm, I'm being serious because this is kind of in the news, but it seems like there's a celebrity or two here and there that are saying things like 5G is the is the is a big contributing factor to COVID-19 and. Over in Europe, there were some 5G towers that were tore down and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, you know, Craig. Lay it on me, man. Tell me what you think about this conspiracy here. I'm going to open up here. I'm going to get on my soapbox. (laughs) Uh, uh, You know, like I said earlier, I'm around a lot of smart people in that room at the operations center, and I'm by no means the smartest one there, don't want to be. But, you know, I take advice and, and trust folks that do this for a living. That, that that's their specialty, like the epidemiologists, like the physicians, they, this is their specialty. I don't really take advice too much from celebrities, uh, you know, and sort of a, you know, celebrities, I think of a celebrity as an actor, you know, they act for a living, they pretend. Uh, how do they know something more than an epidemiologist that's gone to school for many years and does this every day, even before this pandemic? That's what they did. So uh, I'd be a little hesitant. Uh, I'm not going to go down and tear down a 5G tower, number one, because I need it myself. So uh, we'll uh, we'll see what happens in that in the, in the future. <laughs> Well, Mike, this has been good, really good. I'm glad to get you on, get some of this information out there to folks. And as we roll around, we're going to, here in Kentucky, we're getting the updates from the governor every day, as well as listening to POTUS as he comes on as well, trying to get as much information as we can. Is there is there another source that you would recommend that we try to get information from or any websites or social media? or You know, at the... Uh... As for news, I'm pretty particular. I listen to NPR. I think they're straight across the line. Um, I, I don't, I don't really go with a lot of the national channels. But that's just me. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to use common sense. But uh, it's it's really important for us to get the facts. However you do that, uh, however anybody does that, just be sure they're credible. Uh, don't believe everything you see on social media just because it's a just because it's a picture or print doesn't mean it's true. So, uh, you know, bottom line, yeah, use good common sense. And like I've told you in the past, Craig, you know, when, when we first started this uh, campaign, we use the three C's. You know, we stay calm, we stay clean and we communicate. That's the best things we can do right now. Right. Yeah, I love that. I love it simple. I love simple messages like that. Simple is good. Well, this is good, Mike. Hang in there, my friend. I know you're going to get back on it 
ASAP. So appreciate everything you're doing. Thank everybody you, that's listening. You're, it, 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 you're a part of this team uh, you, where you're getting the word out. Uh, you're doing a great job. And if there's anything I can do, let me know. I will be there. Sounds good, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks. Hey, thanks for joining me here on the Survival Show podcast with my good friend, Mike Pointer. And Mike's done a fantastic job working up at the uh, Special Emergency Operations Center in Frankfort, Kentucky. He's taught people and been responsible for working with people literally all over the world as it pertains to emergency medical services. He's actually taught a class or two for us at Nature Reliance School, uh, attended some classes with us as well. And he's been a good friend to Nature Reliance School and very thankful that he came on here at the Survival Show podcast to bring some clarity to some of the issues that just seem to keep bouncing around. Seems to me, don't know about you all, but after listening to Mike, we need to think about the group, try to listen to the specialists, those that are in the know, and also think clearly for ourselves. I think that's vitally important. As always at the Survival Show podcast, keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp.